It's noon. Hey, everybody. Joining us from wherever in the world, streaming on mutinyradio.fm in .sf, we are getting all set up for CPCL, Choose Poetry, Choose Life, live streaming international poetry reading originating in Glasgow, Scotland, thanks to our hosts, Andy Talbot and Aaron Gannon. Heck yeah. It's going to be another big reading of amazing, oh, amazing poets from all over the world. Special guest today, M.G. Martin. Yes. Back from the San Francisco Poetry Days of Old. He has a new book out. He's going to tell us all about it today. The meeting's getting set up. At 2 o'clock today, we're going to have a call-in from LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. So the AltaCast is going to be during Some Call Me Tim and CPCL took over AltaCast. Whatever, you're listening. Thanks for being here, Mutiny Radio listener. We're on the corner of 21st and Florida down here in the deep mission. And tonight at Asiento is dinner and a show at Asiento. It was raining last night and it was scary, but today it's beautiful and amazing. Get your reservations, come out, have some delicious tapas, and laugh at the hilarious jokes of Jack Ferguson, Nicole Tran, Dero Nose, and Gabby Pachia, along with myself, Pam Benjamin. It's a really, really solid lineup, and I hope y'all come out tonight and eat some food and have some drinks in a socially responsible, distanced, covered parklet at the corner of 21st and Bryant, Asiento. Come take a seat at Asiento. I enjoy their ceviche very much. And the pulled pork bocadillo. Yeah! Thank you, Debbie. Uh, we have more shows with Mutiny Radio coming up every Friday at 7 o'clock. We have socially distanced comedy in the street here outside of Mutiny Radio at 21st and Florida. On Saturday... Jitters and Titters at New Harmony Cafe, 20th and Mission, and Sunday at Resolute Wine Bar on 678 Geary in between Jones and Leavenworth. Come drink some wine, barrel of laughs at Resolute, and laugh at some really hilarious comedians. You'll have a great time. You always do with Mutiny Radio. All right, I'm going to put the music up. I just saw that the, the thing is starting. We'll be right back here with Choose Poetry, Choose Life from Glasgow, Scotland with your special hosts. Aaron Gannon and Andy Talbot. They're hooking it in still. I pressed go and the zoomy zoom and all the zooms. Uh, yeah, and today we have, I bought some new equipment, so we'll see if I can figure out how to make the new sub-mixer work, but I think I did. I think I did just fine. Thanks for listening to MutinyRadio.fm and .sf. We stream all the time. We're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. COVID is killing, no, COVID isn't killing us. Everything's fine, but you can help us out even more by donating to our Venmo. Mutiny Radio, all one word. Or, honestly, just come out to a show and support some local comedy. And that, nothing could make me happier. Nothing. Do you want to make me happy? Come see me tell jokes. I have, my alarm is actually the station to check if it's streaming in the morning. It happens at 9-11, so I'll never forget. 
And, uh, and also, if I'm not awake by 9-11, come on, Pam, wake up. But this morning, I woke up to my own jokes. It was Melaniania, the, my bulimia joke, into some abortion jokes, and I was so happy. I'm just talking to the radio. So uh, let me talk to the radio and then talk to you guys. Again, um, I'm going to put up some more music. This is Kope. She's the Japanese Bjork. Um, this, which Bjork is the only thing that I can... Oh, theme songs. Oh, we're going to be right back. about uh, the making of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. What? Yeah, so so like supposedly the first black exploitation movie was Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. And uh, with Mario Van Peebles or Melvin Van Peebles, the son actually played his father in a movie called Badass about the making of, of, of Sweetback. It's kind of a, it's kind of a cool movie. Did you guys, did you see, it was so weird, that Eddie Murphy movie where he was like, he just released it on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw some of that, yeah. I had that yeah. album probably in the 90s, and I, I just found it like in a dollar bin, and the yeah. cover was so amazing that I was like, oh, I must, I was a dollar, so I was like, I clearly must own this album. Mm -hmm. and, then, and I had no idea that he was like, you know, like kind of like a trail that that guy. I can't remember his name now, but that Dolomite. Guy. Dolomite? Yeah, Dolomite. So, so yeah. anyway, if if, yeah. if if you go see a martial arts school teaching the Dolomite method, don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or go there depending on what you want this method to get across. Like. Exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah. mm -hmm. 
Hey. And if you want to be immortalized in a by Eddie Murphy in forty years, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I was I was watching some Dolomite movie just you know maybe a month ago or something like that. You know something about some guy who sold his soul to the devil to be a successful comedian. Go figure. And uh, I forget what it was called. Yeah. Ooh. I'm so. That was the carrot top story, wasn't it? <laughs> Good point. Have you guys seen um, Crossroads? Either one. There's one with Britney Spears, and then there's one with Ralph Macchio. I've avoided both. No. They're both called Crossroads. Well, right. They weren't just like. <laughs> they remade a Ralph like, Macchio film with Britney Spears. Be, you know what? Actually, AJ, that would have been such a better idea. Ralph Macchio's the plot. Of Ralph Macchio is that he's like a working class kid from like Brooklyn or something, and he's but but he's going to Juilliard, and but he's and he's into the blues instead, and he ends up like seeking out this guy who played on some really obscure blues record in an old folks home. And the guy decides to take him like to the literal Robert Johnson. Crossroads. Oh, cool! <laughs> and so it's like, this <laughs> but like, and this is not a spoiler alert because like you'd ha there's no way that you would not want to yeah. see. But it ends up with a scene where Ralph Macchio has to play like has a guitar off with the devil. Yeah, and the devil the is played. The devil is played by none other than Joe Satriani. Oh. <laughs> wow! Uh, do you guys know in, in Goma Hill by any chance? He's uh, like a like a spoken word artist out of out of New York, and oh. he's got a he's got a song about the crossroads. And in 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 his song, instead of Robert Johnson making a deal with the devil, he's making a deal with the traditional African gods, the Orisha. And, that would make uh, sense, yeah. and, and and you know it's a, oh really who's who's really the devil here you know right, yeah, you know, yeah. are the people that put you in chains you know right. that's <laughs> kind of and I guess that's kind of a, a kind of a common interpretation of that uh, of that uh, old you know legend about Robert Johnson yeah now a friend of mine a friend of mine in Toronto has a song called uh, can't play the blues blues it's a blues song how about how he can't play the blues and there's a verse that goes uh, if I could play like Robert Johnson, you know I'd gladly sell my soul and repeat the line blues for me. But I can't get in touch with Satan. I hear he works in top 40 radio. <laughs> <laughs> it would be much better if the Britney Spears movie actually had just like if she had played a guitar player. Like that would have nice. been that would have been stellar, actually. Yeah. Like I respect, but it's just a it's a road, it's like a girl's road trip yeah. movie. Yeah. The Both are pretty hilarious, actually. Both are pretty funny. I just watched the Ralph Macchio one recently. I don't, not during lockdown, I watched it. I can't find the Britney Spears. It seems like you'd be able to find the Britney Spears movie more than you'd be able to find the Ralph Macchio. Yeah. Go figure, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, so I feel like, <sighs> I don't, I do see some new names. So, um, hi, welcome to uh, Choose Poetry, Choose Life, and hello, San Francisco, and Mutiny, and radio listeners. Um, so we have uh, our main rules: don't be a dick. Most <laughs> like most topics fly here, um, except for obviously if you're being a dick. Um, and just let us know um, if there's pronouns that we need to know about. 
And I think there's a third thing. Oh, right. Because we're broadcasting on Mutiny Radio, you kind of got to remember you're on the radio. So if your mom's listening, maybe choose a different poem that's not about <laughs> or whatever it was that you were talking about. So, if your mom listened to Mutiny yeah. Radio, she'd probably be pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that's true. So. <laughs> I think that is very true. <laughs> um, so guess- to be fair, I think um, I think if I did have a poem about fisting, it would be my mum's favourite. If I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, like, uh, just going in, John, you're first on the list because you emailed me first. I just only go by who emails me first Ooh. or who contacts me first. <coughs> How did that go? Fighting off the imagery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much imagery. Uh, John, cleanse our, well, maybe he's not going to cleanse our palates of the fisting. Maybe he's going to. <laughs> okay, am I ready to go? Yeah, you're. Uh, if you're ready to go, we're ready. I'm ready to go. Okay, okay. so hey, uh, we were talking about... Um, how to define a poem on yeah. Saturday night. And so here are three poems that have some thoughts. First one is called 25 Definitions of the Poem. Mm -hmm. Words from a mute's lips. A unicorn in a Prussian helmet. The testimony of a murdered man. Drumsticks tapping empty space. Symbols crashing at the end of a line. An orange flaming in a young boy's hand. Antelope footprints on Diamond Mountain, the granite knees of a great nation, Black Stetson on a white surfboard, and Orca, his dorsal cutting glass-like water, Beowulf's broadsword, Ned Kelly's iron mask, steel stirrups on a gynecologist's table, Rebel yell, Politburo communique the broken zipper on your lover's jeans. Wine from an empty bottle, dimples on a woman's hips, stinking cups of genocide, black and overflowing. A symphony in a bed of snapdragons. Rumi's column, Kabir's loom, the silence at the end of Ohm, memoir of a childhood you never had. And here's another one in the same uh, subject. Uh, this is kind of an analogy to Claude Shannon's information theory ideas. Um, theory of meaning. Insight turns its back on the predictable, the cop show endings and fast food flavors, all chase scenes, convictions, and high fructose corn syrup. It faces the hot wind of entropy blowing from the infinite space of wild ideas where Wanda's promiscuity rides a unicycle and the federal deficit scales an electric fence in a blue raincoat. One false step and meaning dissolves into gibberish and noise. Is there an archipelago of meaning, each island surrounded by chaos, or does it lie in some massive continent? Explorers go to sea in sloops and mystic caravels, so many shipwrecked on city sidewalks, bumming change and arguing with imaginary rivals. 
a few bringing gimmicks and gadgets return to heroes' welcomes. The best simply disappear from our horizons. I imagine them their bliss complete on some new shore of understanding. And the last one is called combustion. Jalaluddin Rumi baked his heart into kindling in the kiln of awareness. When he met Shams of Tabriz, it was as if passing a flame from one candle to the next. Both were consumed in a blaze of ecstasy. This poem is a cigarette butt tossed into the brush, an unattended campfire, a meth lab hot plaque, static electricity on the Hindenburg's docking tower in Lakehurst, New Jersey, James Candy Cagney on a burning oil rig, top of the world, ma, the plutonium core that ignites a thermonuclear bomb. Look around for sparks of rapture, frayed wiring and overloaded outlets surround you, Someone's jammed pennies in the fuse box, packed the garage with oily rags, and left a space heater too close to the curtains. Why conjugate verbs on an electric typewriter at a desk filthy with asbestos dust? Haul that pile of soggy newspapers out from behind your bulletproof vest. How can you create light without heat? Thank you. Who's the ontologist? John. Yes? Who's the ontologist? Ontologist. Yeah, the theory of, the theory of knowledge guy. That's ontology, isn't it? Oh, no, no, that's uh, that's epistemology, actually. Oh, epistemology, Yeah. Uh, no, this is Claude Shannon, who uh, developed information theory in the, he's a mathematician. He developed information theory in the uh, 19, 1940s at Bell Labs. And, uh, you know, he talked about entropy, uh, really talking about symbols like letters, you know. So, for example, if you detect a Q, you know for a fact, and if you're speaking English, that the next letter in the word is going to be a U. So right. sending that U is not really giving you any more information. You know, it's like how many possibilities are there? You know, uh, if you if I tell you that it's dry and hot in the Sahara Desert, that's not giving you much that you don't know already. But if I tell you it's snowing there, that's uh, sending quite a lot of information. So that's that's kind of the idea. Yeah, interesting. So linguistic too. Yeah, and so he's got entropy that's it, it's mathematically defined, and it's very similar to the entropy and that they talk about in physics disorder and stuff like that. So kind of fun stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so we have had a request to for Dre Zara to go second. So Dre, let me find you so I can spotlight you. Where are you? There you are. Hello, darling. Spotlight host. Are you muted? Uh, no, I'm sure you can hear me, correct? Can you guys hear me? Seems so. Okay. Cool. So, hi. Uh, I've got two poems for you guys. And, yeah, uh, let's get straight to it. So, this poem is called, Do You Think You Know Me? It goes like this. Now you say 
you know me. But how much do you really know me? Yes, you know my name, my age, and my birthday. But all of this is just scrapped up paper that any of us can obtain. You can tear the front page and gobble it up. But that is nowhere near enough to read the full story. Life is not a joystick of A, B, and C. Life is not an RPG from start to finito, amigos. Life is full of the most complex algorithmic functions that not even the most prolific professors or professors or mathematicians or mathematicians can equate to me or any of you. Life is not a fairy tale. What I post publicly is my painted art from the heart. But I may bother with pointless tropes of signaling trite quizzes such as how many children am I going to get? Or what year am I going to die? Because it is, whilst I admit it has its novelty charm, an insult and harm for JavaScript data to, detect, to dictate who I am. But who am I? A mask-wearing hooded male that does spoken word, literature, music, and the like? I mean... Don't know who that is. It's some guy that looks similar to me anyway. A colourful personality that has the extrovert persona in front of others. Who am I? But what I am not is a label. I was not born to be boxed up and taped shut to follow the traditional stream. I was born to find my own river of dreams so I could run away from severed screams and breathe my own air without despair. No longer I am haunted. Forever. I continue my chapter, but do you think you know me? Nobody truly does. Nobody, including me. So that was that poem. And uh, this one, second poem, is called Coconut Flesh. It's all about, uh, it's all about the kind of situation where um, it's a kind of an equality poem um, with, you know, personification, including coconut. It goes like this. Look at this coconut. Its husk is brown, but witness when it opens up with impales a contrast of white. It is clearer in unison, despite the painted divide that once and still does grip this ravaged world. The clear coconut war is oiled in the fingertips of those that would tear its flesh. So hold the shell like a conch. The fortune teller reads, there is a truth here. Thank you very much, guys. Much love and uh, all the best. Uh, thank you very much and thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. I sometimes have problems muting and unmuting myself at the same time. I don't know how I do that, but um, thank you so much. Where are you? Like, I'm just trying to figure out the posters behind you. Do I see Stevie Nicks? Um, where are you referring to specifically? Where are there, you pointing at? There's someone holding a sword that looks like she. It, it, oh no, that's a that's a professional wrestler called Ash Draven. No, there's no Stevie uh, Nicks. No. Just to clarify, <laughs> just probably a doppelganger. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh look at that. Okay, sorry. I'm glad you enjoyed my. I'm glad you. I'm glad you enjoyed my background, regardless. <laughs> Um, okay, so John, no, no, John already went. So Jeff, you're next. All right, here I am. Here you are. I've got some old new shit. It's actually, it's a really old piece that I've recently, um, recently kind of reworked. 
And uh, it's not a poem, it's an introduction to a poem called Poem Introduction. <clears throat> so this is from my third book of poetry, which was published by Happy Jack Press in Nipawa, Manitoba in 1996, entitled, With Vulnerable Roses Do I Sweep the Curtained Walls. That's the title of the book, not the poem itself. The poem is called Flutter and the Heroes Bathe. I've structured this poem as a series of villanelles. For those who don't know what a villanelle is, it's a 19-line poem made up of five tercets and a quatrain with two refrains and two repeated rhymes. The idea for this poem came to me sometime in the late 80s when I was vacationing in what was then West Berlin, but of course one would now refer to the entire city of Berlin due to Germany's radically changed political situation in the ensuing years. I was wandering around the Tiergarten, searching for the pond called Der Neuer See, literally translated as the New Sea, yet I couldn't find my way out of the goldfish teich area closer to the wall. It was a frustrating and embarrassing experience. I didn't know a lot of German at the time, so I didn't make much progress as far as asking for directions. I came upon this old tree. I believe it was near the Soviet War Memorial. I'm sure you know the one. And the tree was shaped like I suppose you would call it a hexagonal cross-section, truly a miracle of nature. And there was a bird up in the tree, and it was singing. It was a robin, and the robin's tune gave me the idea for this poem because it reminded me of something Bertolt Brecht once said about a bird's mating song. I believe the exact words are, Ich spiele Fußball mit dem getrennten Kopf von Lenny Riefenstahl. In other words, Humanity's customs and laws and beliefs have changed over the centuries, but the birds are still here, virtually unchanged. It's a direct connection to history. And it's this direct connection that I wanted to express in this poem that I'm going to read to you right now. Oh, another fascinating thing about the Tiergarten is the history of the Siegesäule, or the Victory Column. The monument originally stood further east, more or less in front of the Reichstag, but the Nazis ordered the monument moved to its present location merely because the Siegesäule blocked their view of the city. I mean, isn't that astounding? They tore down the monument brick by brick and reassembled it further away, the same way they did with the original London Bridge when they moved it to Arizona. It staggers the mind. I even wrote a haiku about it. For those who don't know what a haiku is, it's a traditional Japanese style of short form poetry consisting of 17 syllables, sometimes, though not exclusively, in three lines. But I was going to tell you about this poem, which once again is titled Flutter and the Heroes Bathe. Now, what I was trying to achieve in this poem is an embellishment and juxtaposition of many themes close to my heart, such as the yearning for peace of mind and times of war and social disruption, but also the fleeting spiritual wanderings of youth when confronted by the utility of world. I believe truly it was all best expressed in Michel Foucault's essays about spatial relationships and literature. Now I'm not going to stand here recounting all of Foucault's ingenious spatial theories for you as I'm sure we're all familiar with them and it would waste valuable time and we'd never get to my poem in which incidentally I was going for a sort of William Blake feel particularly in the use of metaphysical metaphors and gustatory imagery and yet I also wanted to evoke the spirit of Rudy Weeb, as I've always admired his depictions of the Native American perspective. I remember the first time I read The Temptations of Big Bear. My lord, I must have been 17, and I swear the book changed my life. It made me see our North American heritage in a completely different light. 
far more powerful than dances with wolves. Well, on with my poem. Flutter and the Heroes Bathe, part one of 17. Flutter and the Heroes Bathe. What do you mean I'm out of time? Thank you, that was poem introduction. Apparently I'm getting work emails. That's the, that's the, the, the tone you might be hearing. Do I, have do I have time for another one or am I genuinely out of time? Okay, I'm getting thumbs up, okay. Here's a, here's a relatively new one. Um, it's called, <clears throat> Do You Know Who I Am? And this may or may not be based on a real Facebook interaction. And I don't think I've done it here yet, but anyway, do you know who I am? Excuse me, Jeff, did I just hear you correctly? Do I understand that you dared to offer an opinion on the cinema of Stanley Kubrick? That you dared to offer such a bit of opinion to me? Do you know who I am, Jeff? Do you know who I am? Let me enlighten you, then. I'll have you know I am the acclaimed author of more than 15 best-selling science fiction novels and the recipient of two Academy Award nominations for my commission's screenplays. I have also taught several courses at the American Film Institute and at the Columbia University School of the Arts. Respected people seek out my opinions on cinema and literature, Jeff. They don't have the gall to give me theirs. So I think my discourse on the Kubrick oeuvre has far more credibility than yours ever will. Who are you, Jeff? You write your silly, petty little poems and monologues and perform them like a trained chimpanzee at small pub readings, or in this case, Zoom. You make your meager little living writing advertising profiles of, dear God, industrial equipment. What a small, shallow world you live in. What could you possibly have to contribute to a discussion of high cinema? Do you know who I am, Jeff? And here's what your tiny mind will never understand. I am not merely a high-profile expert in Stanley Kubrick's art. You see, I worked with Stanley Kubrick. I knew Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick was a friend of mine. And Jeff, you're no Stanley Kubrick. Oh, you didn't know? Stanley used to invite me to his home in England all the time. We'd go out and play golf and discuss literary and film theory and talk about chess and Seinfeld too. Christiane would bake cookies and cakes for us and we'd sit on the porch and laugh and laugh. We'd laugh about fools like you, Jeff. Fools like you who dare to test your toes in the great ocean of high art. But you don't have the stamina to stay afloat in that ocean and the sharks and piranhas of truth will eat you alive. You just don't understand Stanley the way I do, Jeff. Christiane still sends me birthday cards. I could show them to you, just say the word. Or are you too cowardly to witness real success? Do you know who I am, Jeff? I'm not merely a valued confidant of Stanley Kubrick. Oh, no. I also knew Philip K. Dick. You didn't ask, but I'm telling you anyway. And I wasn't just his friend, Jeff. I was Philip K. Dick's mentor. He would have been nothing without my influence, I tell you. And let me make it clear, the man respected me. He never thought of polluting the air around me with his superficial musings about Carl Jung or H.G. Wells or L. Ron Hubbard or even D.C. Fontana. He knew it wasn't his place. If I needed my boots licked, without a second's hesitation, would he get down on his knees and lick them until royalty could dine off them? If I wanted a cup of coffee, he would not rest until the finest plantations of southeastern Brazil had delivered the finest coffee grounds to my very doorstep. You could learn a lot from the humility of Philip K. Dick, Jeff, but I suppose you never will. Do you know who I am? In the greater picture, it doesn't matter if you do, because I know who you are. You are a child, Jeff, an ignorant, wayward child, lost in a forest of sophisticated adults, and you just don't have the instincts to survive in the wild, do you? 
You are a dumb yokel without the tools or the knowledge to thrive in a world of mature cultural appreciation. And all of this would be perfectly tolerable if only you knew your place, Jeff, but you don't. Your place is not to give uninformed and misguided opinions on cinematic works that are beyond your understanding. You don't have the license to share these empty musings with experts like yours, truly. When you do, it's nothing better than mansplaining. Yes, that's what the kids are calling it today, isn't it? Uh, you're mansplaining. Even when you do it to another man, it's still mansplaining. Of course, when I talk down to you, it's a completely different thing because I've earned my place above you, Jeff. I've earned my stature through a hard work ethic and openness to learning of which you cannot conceive. Farewell, my young pro fan friend. I'm running late. I'm off to dine with Connie Willis, Neil Gaiman, and Rian Johnson. You run off now and enjoy your little Snapchat and TikTok videos like a good boy. Run along, don't bother me. That was called, Do You Know Who I Am? Totally a classic. <laughs> the Facebook interaction wasn't that bad, was it? Uh, sure felt that way. <laughs> That's pretty good. The thing, uh, this, this, I'm not going to say who it was. It's of like a, a well-known science fiction writer who uh, didn't like the point I made about Citizen Kane. And maybe I just expressed my point badly, but for some reason he took it really personally. He took it like a personal attack on him and all his achievements. And then he started recounting all his achievements to me. And then he went into the mansplaining bit, which made me go, what the? Yeah, seriously. Ugh. That's he like, was trying... that's like, oh, sorry. Okay, I was just gonna say, he was, when he got to the mansplaining bit, he was trying to loosen it up with like winky emojis. He was trying to lighten it up a bit, but I was like, oh, too late. It's like the sort of snowflake thing getting co-opted. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's been co-opted. That's been depressing. Um, I'm looking up my list, or I'm trying to find the list. I have too many windows open on this computer. I've been on it all day. Um, the next reader we have is Holly Jackson. I don't want to get too over myself, but I think Holly has new well, shit. Uh, sort of. Um, hang on, I just have to go into gallery view because if I have to look at that massive picture of my head, I'm going to like... Um, yeah, I sort of have new shit. Um, it's new shit. So yeah, I guess I do have new shit. So it's um, it's a bit weird. So the other night I um, had a bit of a poetry night. I turned the TV off. And I just wrote and read poetry all night long. It was great. And um, I did a couple of random uh, little poetry workshops that I found on YouTube. And one of them was something that I sort of made up on my own. And it was a poem that I wrote. So basically, um, I did this, like, I wrote this really, really, really long poem. It took me about an hour and a half. And I got a poetry anthology, this one be exact um and i wrote out the first line of every poem in the anthology it's probably backwards isn't it on the camera it's uh, the blood book of contemporary women poets um i wrote out the first line of every poem in the anthology as just wrote them out as if it was a whole new poem and then i went back in and i took pieces from it and lines and segments from it that i liked or that I thought were interesting and I turned it into more poems so I'm, I wrote a few I called them um 
Franken poems. So uh, the first one I'm going to read is uh, one of the Franken poems that I wrote. So basically, it's just a piece of plagiarism because uh, it's all just lines from other people's poetry. But um, yeah, so this is the first one and it's just called Franken Poem. She gave me childhood's flowers, delivered out of raw, continual pain. She grew old on the disasters numb within her. You who are so beautiful, now you must break. Is there ever a new beginning when we live in history? You are confronted with yourself each year. Is it dual natured to be so alive? Her smile fell in the grass, irretrievable. For those who turn their face to the wall, the underworld of children becomes the overworld. If only I had been aware of what was happening. Whatever I find, if I search, it will be wrong. You call her beautiful, pure. What does that mean? My stone age self still scorns. In your delirium, your eyelids were uncurtained, as if God were an old man like you. But the dead are strong. Here she lies like a rebel queen, or however she is personified. But your old hat still hurts me, stepping back from the blackberry bushes, which represent you, as my bones do. Late at night, we wrench open. We are dried and brittle in the morning. But there are worse things. I can stay awake all night if need be. That's the first one. Thank you. Um, and the next one is um, a poem that I wrote on the same night, and it's about a dream that I'd had the night before. It's just called Bad Dream. The following visions filled my head last night alone in my marriage bed. Listen, hear my dream. Decipher, if you care to, what it means. I am alone in the bathroom of my owned adult home, but I'm 16, not yet full grown, and life is far less complicated. Iridescent insects like scattered glass swarm all over white porcelain. A giant spider, hollow, its animated eyes blink alive. Fear grips me, I press the stool leg, shut my eyes, cave in its head. Lids lift to see, blood covering me. My mouth fills with silent screaming. I am a child. My father, alive, does not come to save me. I realize now he never did, except from the danger he created. That's it. That's me for the night. Thanks, Holly. New shit. It's called something else when you. It's found poems, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it is. It's, I, it's, um, a, it's a cento. It's a cento when you when you mix and match the the poems. Is it a cento? Yeah. I've never yeah. heard of that one. The legit thing. thing. <laughs> it's a legit thing. Oh, so it is legit. So I didn't just plagiarize. Like, so, well, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a legit thing. Um, next is Christine. Hi, Christine. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. So hi.
<laughs> we have to come up with new letters. That's the that's how you break new ground here. Precisely. I'm gonna run out and trademark the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my novel has a lot of emojis in it because, like, I was, um, it's like quoting people's emails and uh, emails and like blog entries and stuff with like a lot of emojis, like for cheap laughs. And my, uh, my Humber College mentor was like, you know, readers get bored of this really quickly. So, I tried. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> yep, no. Doing? <laughs> I've got new stuff as well. Um, I've got three. Uh, this first one I did last week, and the other two I did one yesterday and one today. So the very first draftish, draftish, if that's a word. Um, this first poem um, uses the words not only to create like a scaffolding effect in the poem to hang the poem from, and it's called not only what else. Now. Only the hungry time of desolation, now only the pain of implacable time, now only the icy cut of winter's economic desperation, now only politicians' failures and lies, now only the solitary aim to die, now there's only rawness shaven my skin, leeching the blood from out my veins as I lie in hopelessness worn down, in the grasp of pain. Now only the last ticking as I watch, now only seconds to midnight on that doomsday clock. Now only the last goodbye as all ends this night. Now only one moment, now only. That's the first one. Second one, um, I did yesterday and I was just thinking you know how people have sort of um they've sort of labeled people don't they and they tend to label women as having sweet tooths and I thought well why why would women have sweet a sweet tooth so this is my uh, take on why we do have a sweet tooth the sweet balm of the dessert the chocolate rush that sates my hurt compensation for all the slights and worse that we as women face each day the glass ceiling that can't be breached, those salaries that are always out of reach, jobs for the eaten boys in their little mafia, no girls in that exclusive fiefdom, the taste of bitterness in the air, experience of what life does not share, the craving for that sweet release, sugar rush, oh so sweet, the fleeting high that takes away the pain of being second best again and again. The sugary alcoholic drink that takes away the noxious stink of privileged money and closed doors, at least until you need some more to bear the taste of every day. Hoping this is not how things will stay. The second one. And the third one uh, I did today, just this afternoon actually. Um, I was thinking about how lots of people, and we're all guilty of it sometimes, spend a lot of time focusing on what we don't want. So I thought I'd write something from the opposite perspective, and I've called it Witch Magic. Magic and power I bestride, I love that dangerous nighttime ride. 
the magic rhymes I do tell release the powers in my spells. Not for me, the hedge which be, my power demands a much higher fee. The mother, the maiden and the crone, their power embedded in my bones. When at midnight I do fly, I make the lightning flash in the sky. Thunder rolls to mark my passage as the countryside I do ravage. Man's power is naught beneath my gaze, as in magic I do bathe. I claim my power as a witch, I hold it firmly in my grip. Not for me to be what I'm not, that would have me tied up in knots. I live in magic every day, and that is how I intend to stay. So that was that one. So all completely different. <laughs> Feeling the Stevie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. That reminds me of walking my cat on the path at night. Like, I'm always like, I'm in some kind of weird Tim Burton teen yeah. witch story. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay. So next we have AJ. Are you ready, AJ? Sorry, I shouldn't mute myself. Um, hi, cool. Um, I'm gonna, can, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, uh, I'm gonna do three poems. The second one is, well, the second one is kind of a prose poem, so it's a bit long. Um, <clears throat> so I might not get um, to the third one, but the, the other two are both quite short. Um, so the first one uh, is a poem uh, called uh, The Preference. Um, this is a poem about two things. It's about a really disturbing criminal um, from uh, Jersey uh, called Edward Paisnell, um, who I, uh, I suggest, if you look up, just be aware that the most common image of Paisnell that exists is, is, is absolutely terrifying. Um, and it's also about uh, a film, but I'm not going to say which film it's about. Um, if anyone can get it from the clues, uh, well done. Walls go against the moon, where naughty actors simply drown. A struggle in the earthbound plain, a golf club resurrection. There's something in this for you, son. Might want to show your face one night. Dragged away, their lives were changed in fields belonging to the crown, where windows turn against the sun, and memory is fungible, and power the monster who paces the halls, whose face they say you're making up. Yesterday, upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. Of course, the thing with masks is this. Anyone can wear them. And it didn't occur to me until fairly recently that, yeah, masks have a slightly different connotation now, but yeah. Um, this is, this is the second one. This is kind of like a prose poem that I wrote uh, this week. This is new. Um, and it's called Less Than Fire. Once you know how easy it can be to damage the world, you stop being amazed by what you can do to it. 
A child starts a fire and stares into the flame. The troops are marched onto the beach and told to look away. It's all the same. Explosions are showy. Martyrdom a diva's frustrated farewell. The wonder is the world keeps going. The miracle is that it isn't already destroyed. There were people who worked on the bomb for whom the Trinity test was an absolute letdown. Some thought the chain reaction wouldn't stop, that the whole sky would catch fire. But it didn't, of course. It was a bomb, a bang, a boom, a big, beautiful boom. Yes, maybe, exploding in colours that can barely be described, making bones visible through soldiers' closed eyes, but still just an explosion, a hurled firework, a child's flame in the grass. I'm trying not to talk about the bomb, but the bomb is our Faustian shorthand, our idea of a dangerous idea of the destruction of the big encoded in the small. When you truly understand how much can be done with so little, even the idea of the bomb is too much sizzle. Even Muhammad Atta's box cutter seems diminished by the gaudy use he put it to. I have books in my library from the 90s which talk about planes crashing into buildings. Fire and the faces we see in it have been with us since forever. It was nothing new except in terms of scale. Jet fuel warping steel beams till their centers couldn't hold. Heavy metal meltdown. We've always loved a light show. So try this for size. A woman staying in a mansion with two poets tells a story. At their request, she writes it up. And her idea touches the minds of people who will never read The Revolt of Islam or Don Juan, creates a solecism so universal that its ironized reversal becomes a soppy truism an image and a prefix which hurt no less for being a cliche when you're the one they use to wound, when it's your body being likened to a patchwork made of corpses or a virus or the bomb. Or consider a more modish idea, stochastic terrorism, words spoken to a webcam or a microphone or written in the pages of a paper which are intended to inspire nonlinear atrocity. No direct instruction given, no official targets named, no paper trail beyond the words the killer quotes in his manifesto or paints on the side of his gun, which can, of course, be disavowed when traced back to their author. A cute racket if you like the guts to get your knuckles in the meat, but not the cutest. After all, somebody needs to hear it. But you can scar the world with less than fire, with words no human ear will ever hear. Well, not words exactly. There are languages which are not speech, but something beyond and before it. And if you can learn to shape things in these languages, then you can call them out in empty rooms and watch the carnage on the tube. And the very worst of it is it is easy. You can almost do it without thinking. In fact, that's when it's most easily done. When you lose even yourself in the scream and something electric and old shakes itself free of your mouth and the place in the back of the back of your mind. And you only realize later what you did and what it cost you. The lucky ones, I think, are those with access to a gun and a steady enough arm to get the shot right, or the ones who luck out in the painkiller lottery, or can stand the ordeal of checking out fast, mixing bleach and ammonia. The unlucky ones have to live with it, trying to trap our thoughts in cages made of chemicals or music, wincing when cheap sci-fi authors turn a glimpse of what we've seen into a Hugo or a movie franchise, reminding us of why we stick to literary fiction. It's less real. So yeah, 
There's that. And I've, I actually wrote this today, so I'm still not entirely sure about it. This is this is uh, this is just this is another another weird one. Um, this is called All Those Close Encounters. All those close encounters, and you're still so far away. All the secret names of God you'll never learn to say. Every face you've seen in fire. Every lie you've prayed. All the print you didn't read in every deal with death you made. All those fragments of the cross and what you should have found were the nails. And that's it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, EG. The most new shit through the night. <laughs> that was bad. Oh my god. Yeah, seriously. Um, okay, so we have a decision to make. Um, do we, and also one of the main persons who gets to make this decision is Jamie, want to have our break and then our music, or do we want to have music and then a break? What do we think? Music first. Music first. Everybody agree with that? Jamie, are you cool with that? Right, yeah. Am I unmuted? Yeah, you can hear You're me. Unmuted, yeah. But you can unmute yourself. Yeah, cool. Everybody can unmute themselves. <laughs> okay, right, yeah. I'll get my music out of the way. And then I can enjoy my break too and relax. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, little man. All right, I'll, uh, I'll pull back a bit so you can, uh, so you can see my large organ. Oh, right. Yeah, you can hear that okay? Yeah? Uh, right, the first song I'm going to do is called Masks, and I've already been mentioned a few times tonight. And um, these are metaphorical masks that I'm singing about because um, I'm suggesting that they be thrown away. Um, but obviously, I'm not talking about you know, the masks that we're all wearing at the moment to you know, keep ourselves and others safe. Um, metamorph, metaphorical past. Because I'm an artist. <laughs> Factory clocks and singing dolls 
Right. Give me one second. Thank you. Give me one second and I'll uh, I'm gonna shift on to guitar for the next one. Everybody see my kilt by the way. I thought, what could be more surprising than a Scotsman turning up in a fucking kilt? I didn't see that. This one is called um, dark energy or dark matter or um, or something else. I'm not quite sure yet, but smooth that off a bit.
percent of the universe it's what we call matter the other forfeits of reality doesn't even register stood up for our eyes to see though we know it's there to some degree but it's all too much for the likes of you This next one is called um, Bring the Curtain Down. And um, it's not a new track. I, uh, I wrote it in February last year on the night that I came out to my dad. At the age of 45, I came out um, as a trans man um, to my friends and family. And um, when my dad came around, he was absolutely amazing about it. It was just, it was like something that like, a scene from a movie. He just said everything right. He was just perfect. And I was on such a high after my dad left that I wrote this song, although it kind of feels a bit bad to say that I wrote it because it just happened. It was one of those that came tumbling out of me. I could barely get it written down on the page quick enough. Anyway, um, this is called Bring the Curtain Down and it's about, um, it's about, 
secret little thing as a as a trans man and trying to keep it to myself and, and being a and being a performer and living in the public eye at the same time. And anyway, right, bring the curtains in. Release the hounds, called out the cut, lock him up in the middle bar, playing to the crowd you want. He must never be let loose, cause he's too big for the house, and he'd only ruin the city. So who are you gonna be when the lights go out? And who are you gonna be when the curtain comes down? Cardboard boxes cannot hold all your stories left untold, all the secrets in your head. Underneath all of that flesh, you were living a so dead, better off that you were dead. So who are you gonna be when the lights go out? And who are you gonna be when the curtain comes down? And who are you gonna be when the lights go out? And who are you gonna be when the curtain comes down? you fed the minotaur that you kept locked up within Pandora's dressing bar. Are you so blind you cannot see that the man you want to be has been right here all along? Open up and let him out, show the world what he's about, he has waited far too long. So who are you gonna be when the lights go out? And who are you gonna be when the curtain comes down? 
So you're gonna be when the lights go down. And who you gonna be when the curtain comes down? So who you gonna be? What is there left when the lights go down? And who you gonna be when the curtain comes down? Glad I made it through that without crying. <laughs> Sometimes find that one day, that one difficult. <laughs> right. You have one more, or did you do you remember? I can't remember what we decided. Uh, well, I've got a very short one. If, if... <laughs> it's a challenge of being a trans man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've got a little... Uh, that sort of depends on which way you're coming from, right? But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <clears throat> this one's totally different. Okay. Spread my wings and fly. So now, baby, don't you cry, baby, bye bye. I told you that my loving gonna last all that time. Now you've ended up with nothing. Cause you thought that you were mine, but you were wrong. And now I'm moving along. And now I told you that I'd soon depart and that I didn't want to break your heart, bye bye. Spread my wings and fly. So now, baby, don't you cry, baby, bye-bye. Baby, 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 why'd you love someone like me? All I give is maybe. No, you can't rely on me for everything. No, where nobody's ringing. Now I'm gonna have to let you down, cause... Baby, I can hang around, bye bye. Bye bye, baby. Bye bye, baby. You knew better than I that I spread my wings and fly. So now, 
baby, don't you cry, baby, bye-bye. done now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's my tambourine? I have to go in. <laughs> oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a fucking range you have. Like, that's like at least three octaves, baby. Damn. Yeah. I, I, I trained as an opera singer. That's my secret weapon. <laughs> um... Okay, so I guess we're going for a break now. I, know I have to piss like a racehorse. So um, we're going to come back. Uh, if it's an entire, I don't know. If it's enticement, anybody, I'm actually going to probably try to play in Piquito guitar tonight. We'll see how it goes. Sort of a scratch work in progress thing. This is new shit also. Um, so let's say it's 314. Shall we come back? Wait, it's not 3.14. That's what time it is in Chicago. Um. <laughs> okay, I love 4.14 on the East Coast. So let's come back at 9.30. Is that okay with everybody? Time for drinks and tips. It's 26.14 where I am. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Thibault of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. 
It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buxian Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hey you, poetry reader. This is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay. We also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast. Zoomed every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it, and don't let poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, available at analogsubmission.com. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch
Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station. MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission. MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. Global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines. Vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great 
Big Fat Nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. I need to listen to this whole mutiny radio thing, but I don't know how to do it. Pam posts the link to the show every day. So, Jamie, like, if you wanted to um, listen to the recording of the show, it'll be on the links on Facebook, so you can hear what an awesome job you did. Yeah. <laughs> I need to hear the commercials because I need to buy products right now. Oh, no, no. It's just, it's just commercials for mutiny radio stuff. It's not like... Okay. It's not like actual commercials for anything like floats or lemons. Like, you know, you okay. know. Oh, so, so, so like Dane's. It's not like good vibrations commercials or nothing. <laughs> uh, I'm listening to music radio. For Finn's Valentine's Day thing, like, um, my the guy Ted Saravesi, who's played. A couple times for us, uh, we used to do like I, I've talked about the band that I was in. I'll just show you the CD. I, I have a bunch of them here somewhere. Um, hey, you know that crazy like there's a Mormon sect in southern Utah and northern Colorado, Colorado, where they like keep marrying the girls off when they're 13 to like. Thirty-year-old dude, and then they sell. Then then this, then they marry his sister, her sister, and each of them has thirteen kids, and whatever. It's all really, and like they, um, they tell the girls to keep sweet, which uh, means like, drink pineapple juice. Always be cool. Never yeah. say anything. Complain. But um, so I thought that was a great name for a uh, sort of blues project where we did songs about drinking fucking killing and being a whore and i had to get really creative with the places to play because there were only like there was like a certain scene in san francisco that was like country noir slash blues so i we always got booked to open for those people but it was like you know there were like four of them so 
I tried to get creative and then we would play for the pirate punks over in Oakland at hazmat and stuff. But I, so I started calling the porn shops and asking if they had like Valentine's day sales <laughs> that were going on or like Christmas sales. And that like, we could sit in the corner. Actually, one of the things that was greatest was we played Annie Sprinkle's birthday. That was pretty exciting. Wow. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Open but, for Annie Sprinkles? Pardon? You open for Annie Sprinkles? Well, I don't. I, we didn't open for her. We just played for her birthday. That's all. Like it was her birthday party, and we were in the corner and. Wow. Was that at a porn shop? Yeah, it was at a porn shop. It was at this. There's this great, <laughs> there's this great lesbian-owned port, sort of lesbian-run and or and run collective porn shop called Good Vibrations. I think there's mm. like three locations. Like a, there's one in Berkeley, obviously, and then there's one in the Mission. And um, what's there's one in Lewiston, Maine, too. Pardon? There's one in Lewiston, Maine, too. Did you know that? No. Oh, that's kind of. No, crazy. there isn't. I'm just making that up. But oh, yeah. Yeah. I was all excited that they'd like branched out. But Portland um, is one of the best cities to be gay in, in in the United States. Where is Portland? Portland, Maine. Yes. Hmm. I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to go there and be gay. You, you ask, you ask your, you ask your homos, you ask your gay friends, who have, who have good, um, a lot of, um, what do you call it, um, income. Disposable income. But to come move to Maine, yes, that's right. There's us gay oh. people are supposed to have that, so I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> so you want to overthrow Susan Collins? Finally, is that what you're on about? In another, uh, you know, let Susan be oh, Susan. Right. Oh my God! Damn. I think she's going to be last anyway. She's getting old. She's, she's, she's up there. She's got something going on with her health. Aaron heard the cats. We only have a half. Hour. We have 29 minutes left oh, on the. Shit. Heard the cats. Heard the cats. We got we got Hawaii on the line oh, now. Heard the cats. I'm not, like, I'm not okay. I'm staying attention to this. Thank you so much, Pam. Um. Okay. So M. G. Martin Woo! is next. You. He's Pam's friend, and he is coming from Hawaii. Hawaii. Yes. Hi, Thank you welcome. so. Hey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Aaron and to Andy, Pam. University of Glasgow, Mutiny Radio. This is so cool. Like, I mean, the talent is amazing. Jamie just killed it. That was amazing. So, um, yeah, I've got some poems coming your way, folks. Um, I hope you enjoy them. I have a new book coming out called UUOU uh, from a small press uh, called oh. Cyberwit Press. Um, and so I hope you enjoy this uh, selection of posy from my uh, upcoming collection. All right. So first one. This is called Conductor. This is actually the first poem in the book. Conductor. But waking next to you is like bathing in honey, only to realize that instead of oxygen, the air is composed of infinite tongues. I'm saying you do heavy things to me and how you hum in the morning, your buzz thickening until the whole of the room is contained in the sound of your you. The sound of you breaking the horizon is so loud, it turns red and breaks people's ears. In this way, I'm saying you are like a sunrise that prevails over sound. 
And when I see you standing next to fire, I become jealous of the way the heat touches you, lapping over you without effort or the burden of self. I want to make a grand gesture, so I say, we are here, but somewhere a fire starts itself. I'm saying the fire always wins. And when our house is on fire and the storm is electric, I will dig a hole for you to lie in while I stand in the rain, head tilted back, mouth and eyes agape. I'm saying I will grow larger as the branches of electricity travel toward the earth. With arms outstretched, I'm saying I will not let you get electrocuted. Thank you. You're too kind. Uh, all right, so this next one, uh, this one is called No Wonder We Are Mostly Water. The river is safe to drink unless it is made of lightning or loss. But if the river is made of loss, then I'm sorry, but you have to drink from it. That river, we continue to circle back to, that river that continues to laugh at us in our book length loss. The river is never impressed with itself or that our vision continues to decline on account of an inability to climb outside of ourselves. Just kidding. It is sad that my sister is a legitimate ghost. The only effort I can make is to become a place that is always on fire, somewhere, something, someplace, always on fire. When you see that river, hold on to yourself. Just kidding. You're alive, and that's abstract enough. What a time to be alive with a mouth full of canary feathers. River, get out of my zone of catastrophe. I don't need any help double-crossing myself. I'm doing just fine as a human, maybe. We poison the water. We poison the water to erase the river loss. Just kidding. That lightning, though, that's what's up, isn't it? Wet eraser. That's it. Um, all right. I'm just going to jam through these because, you know, give the people what they want. They want poems, I'll give them poems. Uh, this next poem is called Unmeltable. Unmeltable. Wherever the snow refuses the sun is where we meet for the millionth time. All million everything. I'm obsessed with your dead skin and formulating a plan to learn to touch things. Whether it's haunt or hunt, I will do that to you. Here we are again, swallowing all the city's snow as though the universe will only end when it's run out of things to steal and reproduce as something new, so we're good. Who does sadness turn to when the moon finally explodes? After all these decades, we are starting to smell like all these decades, so yes, I'm selling off my own agency to become the target of your tongue and its language, to become endless, to open my body in the middle of July and find that my body is filled with snow. So yes, I am gifting you my body's snow. Thank you. Okay, um, let's see, how much time do I left, have left? A couple minutes. Um, if you guys, like what you're hearing, you can hit me up on your socials on Twitter. I'm the MG Martin on Instagram. Hit me up at M period G period Martin. You can find pre-order information for my book. Um, but let's get back into the poetry. Uh, this one is called, called mm, I'll just do a couple more. 
This one is called Living Sculpture. I don't understand all of this, but you are a palindrome for I. And because of this, I am up in the middle of the sky with a pair of topiary shears, turning the clouds into inorganic shapes. I am in the sky, taking out my eyes and gluing them to your shadow. I am in the sky without eyes. I am in you like Sirius and stuffing the clouds with moss. I am throwing clouds everywhere. These are still clouds, but yes, I have covered them with inorganic stained glass, okay? What else am I supposed to do while you attract all of that light? It isn't that love is complicated, but that we are called human beings. It isn't that I am in the sky, but I am. I am in the middle of the sky as the stained glass light topples toward the earth and onto your shadow, the one to which my eyes are glued. I don't understand all of this, but you are a palindrome for I. All right. Okay. What do you think? One more, two more, 10 more, 1,000 more, whatever you guys got. Okay, one more. I'm hearing one more. All right. Thanks again to everybody. I love your attention. I love sharing these poems with you. Again, I'm MG Martin. Hit me up Twitter, the MG Martin, Insta, m.g.martin. My new book is coming out. Pre-order it. I love you. I'll ship internationally. I'll ship to the moon. Whatever you got, I got you. Okay. So this is the last poem. It's called Wandering the Hall. Wandering the Hall of the Truncated Spirit is the name attached to my emotional labor. The realization that crying is the act of taking the negative out of yourself and that it can also be called shattered glass. I am learning how to feel tropical on the inside. The Milky Way as fog on night, meaning we will survive even if we must die to do it. Evade all who kill your vibes. In other words, jump off the world immediately. Don't worry, champagne is served in space. If you can't climb a tree every day, at least imagine yourself doing so. This speaks to survival. Exercise your fut futility by arm wrestling time. You both deserve a laugh. And as you fall asleep, consider which is the metaphor, death or death. <laughs> Thank you all, yay! appreciate your time. Yay! <laughs> MG Martin, yay, yay. Tell everybody about your book one more time. All right, yeah, so I got a new book coming out. It's called You, You, O-U from Cyberwit Press out of India, which was crazy to me that a press from India contacted me and wanted to publish my work. Um, I'm pre-ordering, taking pre-orders right now. The easiest way to uh, reserve your copy is to get on socials. Again, Instagram, m.g.martin or on Twitter at the MG Martin. There'll be instructions for you to receive my poetry. Yay! Thank you, y'all. I want to make a commercial for you on the station, too, like the play during our breaker. All right, let's do we it. We did it for Andy Talbot's it. book, too, um, Old Wounds, New Skin, and he sold out two, two printings of his book. So that's exciting. I don't know if we had anything to do with that, but I think it's just that your uh, his work is great. And yours is amazing, and it was so much fun to hear you, and you're so great. I love all your new work. And Hawaii's great. Everything's you, cool. Pam. I know I miss you, too. We're still here at uh, Mutiny Radio. Um, everything's good, though, in Hawaii. Like, 
Yeah, every, yeah, everything's good. I'm on my lunch break right now. Okay. I got a bunch of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders outside. I got to go wrangle them in. in a yeah, second. yeah, yeah. Go go play with the kids. Thank you so much for your time. This was so awesome, and I can't wait to oh, read your new book. Are you using a lasso? Are you using a lasso to wrangle them in? A lasso. What's that? Journal of release email. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just maybe maybe some, some stun guns, you know? <laughs> he does, if um, those are for... If no one sees, stun guns are fine. My principal said as long as no one sees. If you're listening, clap once. All right. If you're listening, clap twice. Yay, MG Martin, thank you so much. Have fun with your kids. Thank you, y'all. Thank you. Yay. Yay. Yeah, sure. Why, why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? Yay. Why the fuck not? Um, this is a brand new piece I did in a workshop yesterday. I think I'm going to call it... Um, the fools of attraction. Um, it must be tiring to have a magnetic personality. Magnets attract all sorts of stuff unintentionally, like staples, paper clips, rusty nails, BBs, and bullets. Because they are magnets, they need non magnetic help to separate themselves from the rusty nails and other unwanted attractions. Some rusty nails are not too far gone rusty that the rust can't be removed so they can be reused, but, but most magnets aren't happy with the ammunition, with the closeout ammunition inventory from Walmart gun departments or even the boxes of BB's teenage boys outgrew. I wonder if people with magnetic personalities wish there could be some sort of magnet removal surgery so they could live their lives without all those hangers on. Yeah, I don't know if that's out. So. Like I said, I just did it. So it's a little rough around the edges. Um, hold on. So let's pull up some other junk for you. I, I'm just going to follow that guy from Hawaii with his pineapples and everything. Let's see. Ah, oh, crap. Let me get to the top of this page. Thumbs up. What? Another problem with texting being a highly impersonal form of communication is how to end a texter session a word that should have never been coined for the sanity slash sanctity of a better society. The thumbs up Facebook icon slash emoji has become a tool, a positive reinforcement slash validation last word ism, a way to falsely say way to go or out of boy when you actually want to scream, I'm bored out of my balls with this post slash conversation which technically is not a conversation because you're texting. I have noticed the ubiquitous thumbs up looks a bit like an evil insertion torture mechanism from a medieval dungeon, maybe an armored glove used on sexual miscreants. I wonder if whoever designed the image created it due to a secret kinky desire to stick his thumb up random buttholes. Thank you. Um, and I'll do one more piece if I can fucking find it in my computer. It's called What Smells So Bad? There is an odor in the air. 
it just decided to creep into the atmosphere. It could be a sensory memory trying to trick my brain and ruin my day. I remember the first time I tried moonshine. It didn't smell like any commercially made liquor. It was farty smelling, like rotten, fermented, high sugar content sweet corn someone put into an apple crumble that made the venerable dessert smell like farts rather than apples and cinnamon. Or when a skunk, I feel like I'm about to say this, or when a skunk took refuge under a friend's deck and continually sprayed its territory. It reminded me of when my family would drive to Montgomery to visit my Meemaw. We'd pass the Chickasaw exit, which had multiple paint factories. My dad would always say, it smells like someone made some polecats angry. When that polecat decided to make a home for himself under my friend's deck in Maine, it definitely smelled like a Chickasaw, Alabama paint factory, which in its own way smelled a bit like a more odorous, farty smelling moonshine. And I think I'm gonna do one more teeny tiny piece if I can find it. Uh, hold on. Do -do -do -do. It's called The Ant That Won the Tour de France. I am the ant that moved the rubber tree plant. Everyone said it would be impossible. They all sang that song to me, but I persevered. I worked out. I hired a celebrity trainer. The big day was standing room only. The press watched with trepidation. The crowd was awed by the spectacle of my achievement. I was awarded the key to the city. I ate at the White House. Sports Illustrated photographed me for their cover, naked. My trainer was Lance Armstrong. He suggested I try steroids. Gracias, everybody. Okay, so I am going to say that Beth, I want to do Dane because he has a pineapple poem, but Beth is tired, so I feel like we should let Beth. Alright, I'm just sitting here, honey. It's fine. <laughs> I've got to sit up if I read as well. Hold on. She's knitting beautiful things. You want to see? Yeah. Yeah, look. Oh, oh. So Is that an afton? No, it's a it's a it's gonna be a cowl. It's for my friend for Christmas, but I can't put it on my socials or she'll see it. It's gonna be a cow. A cowl. <laughs> is that like a is that like a shawl? Like a like a big fat scarf. Like a snood. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll let I you go in and mute. What did I say? I was snood or cowl. Poetry. Don't know. <laughs> this is called making winter. I'd forgotten the motion of spades pressing through. The earth yielding, then resisting where water hasn't reached. Touching the earth, the wild vein filled with worms and beetles busy at their work. The earth where we have heart of a steered broken china, glass and tiny toys, 
remnants of the 90 or so years where humans have and haven't made the green and growing a home, buried the evidence of living, lost treasures I have yet to find, pushing determination before me in the shape of tree. I cover earth with cardboard, pot up and talk to small things, walk bricks to and fro, to weight down what I hope will become spring. With winter in my face, I dig up summer, abundance now consigned to casseroles or compost. The earth bare once more, I stare. There I plant myself, where water hasn't reached, for hope that I too will shoot. Leaves reaching through to sunlight, sparking despite the chill, grounding me in seasons and gently lifting my head. There's been a, a few poems tonight about fire. Um, another writer friend turned me on to a project called Try to Praise the Mutilated World, which is being run by Go Bell. Um, and I really uh, curious about the redemptive nature of, of writing about some stuff that's pretty fucking weird, right? Because this year is so strange. Um, the, so she said to me, oh, go read the prompts. You don't have to, uh, you know, sign on for the group or anything like, if you're not ready and just go read the prompts. But the first one was about stuff being on fire. What if this whole year has been a fire? Markers burning, a barricade of flame, red hot buildings, people, cars, flickering shadows on the hills until we realise the slopes too have kindled, cracking and rising. By the way the stakes were laid, are we surprised the world is tinder dry? Parched of compassion, the smallest of sparks can make a mighty blaze. What if this whole year has been a fire? The dancing shape for summons, everything that keeps us in melting in the heat, seeds exploding as they fall, new life from destruction, planting from the pyre. As the old goes up in smoke, what if opportunity is hiding, unfurling on the charred ground? What if this whole year has been a fire? Refining skimming away dross, keeping only finest metal, showing up what matters once the ashes fly away. What if this whole year has been a fire and we get to choose whether we are burning bright, fueling the fight, planting seeds, making needs, meeting needs, where once I saw castles in the flames, now I see the future forming. What if this whole year has been a fire? Yay! And a really tiny one to finish. Um, yeah, it's 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 like look, it's tiny for me. Oh, you can't see it. <laughs> it's like this big, and for me, that's quite short. But a couple of other people um mentioned uh writing about dreams. I wrote this a couple of weeks ago, a very vivid dream. It's called Plunge. I dream that I am jumping off with you, 
into a void filled with rain that doesn't soak but takes us somewhere else. The first time in synchrony, the second I am the step behind, I always feel. You hold my hand as I stumble, still smiling as my feet slip. You are holding on to both of us as we fall towards wherever is next. All day, I will wonder what this means. Thank you. Um, in case you're not wandering around, yes, it is the name of a poem. Yes, it is the name of a poem, and that's and that's part of what it's uh, taken from. I think. Uh, in case anybody is uh, not wandering around on on uh, Facebook, I'm really happy to tell you that I've been asked to feature at Sad Poets Doorstep Club a week on Monday. I'm grabbing myself right now. <laughs> But because um, I'm up alongside two really amazing poets, and I'm hoping that I can do it justice. Of course. So yeah. Well, congratulations on that. And um, I don't mean to, but I, I, I feel like am I screwed up or don't? Do we have something to congratulate Stephanie about too? I don't know. Do we? And she's been a bit quiet tonight, but. I don't know. Maybe I dreamt it because Facebook. Well, and like, Finn, whatever. Finn's not here, but that hundred, that poem that everyone's in, the hundred voices yeah, came out. I'm, so, I'm like, I need to, I need to order mine. I'm like, I'm in that. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah, how do I get mine? <laughs> okay. All right, Dane. Or do you want to go? Ready? Yes. Let me turn. Let me turn it on. <laughs> Uh, dirt comes. It's like a volcano. Lava rolls down to the sea, eventually cooling. Seabirds fly over. Seabirds shit on the cold lava flow. Rain comes. Wind comes. Lava flow covered in a blanket. The seeds and the seabirds shit sprout. And now we have pineapples. However, you do not see all of this. All you see is the aluminum pizza pie pan slide across the imitation wood grain pamica tabletop. Perfect slices of yellow, very fake yellow pineapple glisten next to hot curled triangles of ham and a lava flow of cheese. Conjuring the spirit, the courage to look into the soul and put down on paper. Note by note, the symphony of freeway screech, flower blossoms, blossoming the sound of stinky stuff, not disgust and polite company. To put one word next to another word, like a brush stroke on a canvas, like fingertips on thighs, like firm hands squeezing, drawing near, looking deeply into the mystery to see the mystery looking deeply back. The aristocrat's hard, sharp tongue flicks against the chambermaid's swollen loathing. Were the roles reversed, there would not be donuts on Fridays. Afghan would still make you think of hairy, stupid dogs. <laughs> I am not a poet. I am a self-important, egotistical blabbermouth. It's all about me. I'm addicted to telling you in painful, indecipherably complicated detail in obtuse, adumbrated rhyme schemes abandoned in ancient times for good reason. Every mundane scenario I have lived through, 
each day as if it is important, as if it would mean something to you. The checkout clerk cheated me out of correct change. My dog died. My lover ran off. Fuck you. Stab yourself in the heart. Bleed all over the page. Tell me about that. I just do not care. Someone is asleep. Someone fell asleep at the wheel, missed the warning signs, near miss, running off the shoulder. No poem warns of the danger of alien DNA. The first time I wrote this, I wrote, no poem warns of the dangers of alien jizz. But I'm a coward and I changed it to fit in. Uh, you know, I have been warned that I have no right of provocation in the area of dirty talk and nasty sex talk. I get it. I cannot be a bomb thrower, provocateur like a woman or a gay man. So I scurry back across the Rubicon, tail between legs. I'm here now on the dirt road detour and my two-tone 1955 Chevy pedaled through the floor. Well-worn worries about sex and the devil do fill up shelves upon shelves. Do not insert a lame poetic convention right here, right now, when all you mean is a lot or more and more. Just say it's simple. I'm almost flying up with dust heading for the washed out bridge. Tell me a secret. Only you know. Something that makes your hands shake. Trembling, shaking, shady. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes, you do. Don't make me be graphic, pornographic about it to draw you out. Everybody wants it, wants it dirty, wants it sweaty, sweet. We all will feel better collapsing into bed. Unless you're ready to hear me talk about me. I can rock and roll you with that all night long. Thank you. I believe next we have Silly, who, I don't know, uh, am I allowed to say? Did you say that to me privately, Silly? You're muted. I don't know why he's muted. I'm mute. Hello, hello, hello. Do you need to share screen? Yes, please. Okay, hold on a second. Uh, Rob, uh, somebody was talking about earlier about... um, Poems with extra letters or non-letters, and we had a poem about linguistic final... redundancies. Well, you, you were you were talking about um, uh, um, uh, yes, doing poems about fire, do poems without words and stuff. So many many moons ago, I decided to write a poem that didn't have any words, oh. in it, which is you know quite easy if you illustrate your, your poems and try to sell stories. Uh, but as I was writing it, which it turned out to be. Um, caveman haikus so i'm not a big fan of haikus i like to <laughs> work on my a bit, 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 bit longer but i've decided to do a caveman haiku just with uggs ug, ug, ug. and this turned into be another haiku another caveman haiku and um it started me thinking about the origin of stories and why people tell stories and maybe the first stories were told by cavemen to do, describe how the world works how why the sun comes up why the moon comes up and I was discussing this with an anthropologist friend. When I was uh, a bit younger, I made the foolish mistake of joining a comedy group. And one of them, were they're all, I'm from Oxford, and they're all students. I was 400 years old and they were all about 12. Um, but one of them uh, was doing anthropology and was studying comedy. And he had a theory about where, whether the first joke or the first story started. And his theory was that the first 
time that a person laughed was a caveman. So if you if you think about the origins of, 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 of laughter with children, especially, it's all about fear. 